It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Simply put, I do not wish to hear from you. I'm not simply put, you Congressman, what you said is dead wrong. I don't wish there to hear your lies. Manipulation of intelligence, period. And you, you have all been regularly apprised of the intelligence no, assessments. All gentlemen, over the, the gentleman was suspended. The gentleman's time, the gentleman's time has expired. And so is the secretary. The gentleman's time has expired. Yes, so the, secretary. the secretary can answer the question. I didn't ask him a question. This, you did ask a question. I don't want to hear from the secretary. The gentleman's time. He lies has to us expired. when he steps in front of the camera. That's the gentleman's time to us when he has expired. Expect secretary the to live up the to the commitment to counterterrorism. Least believable thing I've ever heard. The gentleman's time has expired. People need to use common sense. The gentleman's sense time secretary. has expired. We're here to hear from the secretary. Not to hear lies. The, gen the gentleman's time has expired. Mr. Secretary, if you wish, you may answer the question. We don't need to hear lies. Well, that's a little bit about what the hearing yesterday with uh, Secretary Blinken, who was uh, appearing before the committee in the House, and that was Congressman, uh, um, I'm sorry, I just went blank, uh, Brian Mast. Brian had both of his legs shot off in Afghanistan. Now he's serving in Congress. So picture this, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, who just completed the most horrendous failed removal disregard for human life, probably in the history of America, for sure. Uh, and he was such a coward that he didn't even come into the hearing. He did it. He was in his office at the, pet, at the uh, State Department and would not come to the hearing. He did it by, uh, you know, what, some uh, telecommunication system that they have set up there. So he's in the screen, but he's not in the room. So here's this guy who gave both of his legs in Afghanistan, questioning this guy who just oversaw this debacle in Afghanistan who doesn't have the courage to go into that room and face him. So O'Brien took him on. A lot of people did. But I want to just make sure you understand how bad this was, as though you don't already understand. But this is just one other thing. Uh, this is in the Wall Street Journal. I published just a couple of days ago, and this is about that well, I'll just read it to you. Did the Biden administration mistakenly kill 10 innocents, including seven children, as it rushed to the Afghan exits last month? That is what a growing body of evidence seems to show, and Congress ought to look for the truth. On August 29th, a U.S. missile blew up a car the Pentagon had been following for hours. As the U.S. evacuation was nearing its end, Mark Milley, general, uh, the general chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, called it a righteous strike. And President Biden mentioned drone strikes as evidence that the U.S. is hitting back against ISIS-K for the suicide bomber who killed 13 Americans. You know that, that they were bragging about how they fought back. And now we know that it was uh, a way, an aid worker named Zamari Ahmadi. He was uh, working with the U.S. nonprofit of Nutrition and Education International, and he wanted to immigrate. 
Uh, so they killed him and uh, seven children, all the while boasting that they were doing something. This is how bad it is. This is how bad it is. And yet, uh, Anthony Blinken had absolutely no shame. I want to uh, play a clip for you. This is John Roberts interviewing Brian Mast uh, before he went into the uh, to the room to grill Secretary Blinken. Uh, and also keep in mind that the House is not even in se- – they're not even there. This is As you see the room, there is like a smattering of people. And, of course, Anthony Blinken's not there because of COVID, you know. They can't go because of COVID. By the way, COVID, by the way they're putting the fence up around the Capitol again, making another war zone. But I'm sorry, I'm getting off track. John Roberts uh, quizzes uh, Brian Mast. Let's listen to it. Congressman Mast, like so many other American service members, and thank you for your service, you lost so much in Afghanistan, both your legs, to an improvised explosive device. What do you want to ask Secretary Blinken when you have the chance to question him in the next hour? Yeah, what I lost was a scratch compared to what so many lost their lives. And what I want to know directly is, is he simply too arrogant to resign over all of the mistakes that occurred, over believing that the terrorists weren't going to let terrorists into the country, over jumping however high the, the Taliban tells them to jump, get out of the embassy, get out of Bagram, leave on this day, be intimidated, put up the white flag of surrender. There's so many questions that need to be asked about this from beginning to end, but they all revolve around the lies that the administration's been telling us. When Secretary Blinken testified before your committee back in June, he indicated that there was nothing in the cards that would predict a precipitous collapse of the Afghan military and government. Listen to what he said back then. We're not withdrawing. We're staying. Uh, The embassy is staying. If there is a significant deterioration uh, in security, um, that could well happen. We've discussed this uh, before. Um, I don't think it's going to be something that happens from a Friday to a Monday. When you hear that in retrospect, Congressman, do do you have a sense that the secretary had a firm grasp on the situation there? I have a sense of two things. Number one, that he knew exactly what was happening, but he didn't know exactly how to phrase it because very likely at the exact same time, you had people like President Joe Biden trying to work with exiled President Ghani to go out there and manipulate the intelligence that was actually coming up through the ranks on what was really happening in Afghanistan. So I don't think he knew exactly which lie he should go out there and do, go with the manipulated intelligence or go with what was really the truth. Yes. All right. So that's part of it. And so then in the hearing, uh, they several of the congressmen there ask for his resignation. Of course, he's not going to give it. Who's going to hold him accountable? Who's going to hold the people accountable for Benghazi? Who's going to hold the people accountable for uh, wrongly pursuing everything about President Trump and trying to destroy him, making up evidence through uh, through a Russia, a British uh, intelligence agent? Uh, who's going to punish anyone for this? Who's going to punish the FBI agents uh, that so wrongfully uh, pursued uh, the president and others and ruined the lives of so many? Who's going to bring justice? I really am at the point where I, do, I think only God will. But, you know, God's justice, God's justice is the best kind. So when I get frustrated, I remember that. And uh, remember, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And so, um, so, so truth and lies and, and killing other people and harming innocents, this is what they're doing. It's just, I, I don't mean they're pulling out a gun. I mean, their horrible policies, their disregard for human life is just striking. All right, so uh, remember that Anthony, well, Anthony Blinken in the hearing was asked uh, 
what about, did you have a plan? You know, what happened? And this is Anthony Blinken. It's always Trump's fault, you know, so I just want to make sure that you hear them actually say all of this was Trump's fault. This is Anthony Blinken, clip seven. How meticulous was the planning for the Trump administration declared uh, May 1st uh, withdrawal? Uh, thank you, Congressman. Uh, we, uh, we inherited a deadline. We did not inherit a plan. Okay, Sandy Rios, back with you. We're having technical problems, as you can tell, and so I'm on by phone. And we hopefully will get this uh, worked out in just a few seconds. Uh, and if we don't, well, I'll just do it by phone. But uh, the Blinken hearing, uh, some are saying they wish the Republicans had been harder. I don't know. I, I don't know because I did not watch the whole hearing. I've just heard smatterings of it. But I do think that they basically did hold him to as much account as they possibly could, uh, given the overwhelming drowning out of what's really happening in Afghanistan. You know, one of them observed that already the media, the news, is just uh, not talking about Afghanistan. It's so yesterday's news. And meanwhile, they reminded us that there's a, a former Navy uh, seaman who is still being held. He's being held by the Taliban. They don't know where he is. Uh, and there are, uh, as uh, Lincoln said, I think that there were 100 Americans left. Others said that there were hundreds. So I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, we know that Blinken needs to resign. We know that Joe Biden needs to resign. Uh, but I want to tell you a couple of things about uh, Joe Biden and the way people are responding around the country because because I just want to tell you that. When Joe Biden went to uh, the Ground Zero on Monday, uh, he got booed by Trump supporters. They, they well, I shouldn't, I don't like to make it political. This really isn't about President Trump. This is about this is about the future of our country. So he was booed for the, the things that he was called, uh, I forgot, I haven't said murderer, but something like that, because of what he had done in Afghanistan. Uh, and then um, there are things like that happening all over the country. He was in California on Monday, and uh, pro-American protesters uh, uh, trolled him there. Uh, I don't know if he was aware of that. The reason I say that is because he went to, on Monday, he went to Shanksville, Pennsylvania. He went to a fire station after. When an unplanned pregnancy happens to a mom in crisis, preborn clinics are there. I was extremely scared. The father did not want the child, and he had made me choose him or the baby. This mother chose life after meeting with preborn counselors and seeing her baby on ultrasound. I just felt so blessed and the hand of God on me so strong. And I knew then on I was going to serve God and I was going to keep this child and I was going to love him just like God loved me so unconditionally. Preborn centers met this mom in her darkest hour, helping her to choose not only life for her baby, but life in Jesus. He was our little miracle child. God's timing was impeccable. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in America, introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, visit preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Julie Sue. Deputy Secretary of Labor at the U.S. Department of Labor. Her office oversees work-related standards, including wages, hours, and unemployment benefits. Romans 4.4 reminds us of the importance of fair work for fair wages. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, 
but as his due. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Julie Sue as she helps oversee fair employment standards in our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu. John Stokes is a Division I golfer at Tennessee State University, but now his athletic career and his life are in jeopardy, all because of the China virus vaccine. A few days ago, John received a second dose of the vaccine, and four days later, he was in the hospital with a severe heart issue, myocarditis, a 21-year-old collegiate athlete, perfectly healthy, until he got the vaccine. Doctors told John his college athletic career may be over. Like many other college athletes, John was required by the NCAA to get vaccinated, but students were apparently never told about the severe side effects of the vaccine, especially for young people. And that's why John decided to post a video from his hospital bed sharing his story. It's time for Americans to stand up to the pro-vaccine bullies in the mainstream media and the halls of Congress. We deserve to know what's going on. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Sandy Rios, it's a very weird time. I'll tell you this morning, I'll just tell you right up front. I've had nothing but trouble this morning. I now we have technical problems and I'm off, you know, I'm using the phone here, so it's lovely. But um, I just, it's, well, I don't even, it's pretty boring. Just to say my printer stopped working and then my printer ran out of ink and, uh, my computer, it's just a, a series of really uh, unusual uh, difficulties. And so now we're on the air, uh, sort of, through the phone. And so that means, practically speaking, I cannot, you know, I'm using one hand. So I can't, so if I'm sloppy this morning, you will forgive me, right? You will forgive me. I know you will. Well, I want to finish what I was talking about because I don't have a clock see, either, so I don't know when the when the break is going to come up, so that'll be a little sloppy too. But I wanted to finish telling you about um, what what happened with President Biden this week as he's been out among the people. So he was in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and uh, he did go to you know the actual place, didn't say anything. Remember, he only delivered pre-recorded remarks on that day. But he was there with President Biden, former President Obama, former President Clinton, all of them, and Kamala Harris, who, of course, compared uh, uh, Americans... Uh, oh, wait, she talked about how mistreated now Muslims and sheiks have been as a result of 9-11 and uh, how, you know, how horrible that is that we should... Uh, you know, just turning the thing on its head. We certainly, surely should not be discriminating against people. I'm not... For that, on any level, we do judge people by their character and not the content of their... Uh, the content of their character, not the color of their skin. 
Uh, but 9-11, uh, we do have wars and enemies, and we have to fight people. And 9-11 was a brutal attack against us by Islamists. So we naturally think, wow, we should be careful around people who are Islamists. Uh, so Joe Biden was there silently, and then he went to a fire station in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And this, this I have to tell you, I wish uh, we should send this, put this article on Facebook. Maybe in the last three minutes, I'm not sure. But um, there's, he posed with a bunch of kids. But here's the irony. They they surrounded him, and the girl right next to him has a red uh, Trump hat on, and the one next to her has a Keep America, a Make America, a Keep America Great red hat. Then we've got kids, uh, one kid, let's see. I've got to tell you what these are. Hang on a second. Are we oh, back on? Okay, all right. all right, yay. Okay, so these kids were standing around him. And uh, one of them, uh, this little boy wore, I say, I got to get it. Hang on a second. I told you it'll be a challenge. Um, this little boy wore one that said uh, uh, in the background, he said something about make, um, I'm sorry, I can't find it because I don't have the hands to move fast enough. But let me just say the kids are standing there and you can see them that they're, they're la- they got a big smile on their face and they're laughing because they know that he has no clue. He has no clue that he's standing next to a, he's smiling with all these kids, a beautiful little girl who's got a Donald Trump hat on right next to him and all the others too. So, uh, and also um, in Idaho, hundreds of anti-Biden protesters are gathering right now. He's supposed to be there, I think, today. Uh, They were gathered outside of the National Interagency Fire Center. Yeah, no, he went on Monday. And so uh, he had a lot of protesters that met him there. So, it's just uh, he's not being well received, but you know that. The thing of it is, I, I when I think about you know the possibility of uh, getting these horrific people out of the White House, I can't hardly bear that they're inside there and have all the levers of power. It's just uh, disgraceful that uh, we that somehow we allowed them to creep in on the on the way we do voting and uh, steal this nation from us and destroy it with with us just standing by not being able to do anything. Which reminds me of what's happening in California right now. Uh, so, Adam, let's look back at those Larry Elder clips because Larry Elder is challenging um, Gavin Newsom for president there. And uh, we, we were talking about voting, and uh, we are hoping that 2022 will be fair and free. I don't know why we would think that. Uh, because when I see what's happening in California, I, heard, I saw a clip where uh, people are getting multiple ballots, two and three ballots, mailed to their houses, and sometimes it's a different name, but it's always the same address. And um, I don't know how many people are getting that, but a fair amount of people. They were enough of them that they were on camera. And then another lady uh, went in to vote. And um, so she had a different experience. This is clip five. Let's listen. What happened today and how shocked are you? Mary, I went to El Camino High School to vote. Got there at 1030, gave her this, and she scanned it and said, you voted. And I said, no, I haven't. And she said, this has been happening all morning. The man next to me was arguing the same thing. So as I left, I did the provisional ballot. And left. I was just really angry. And I saw two women walking toward me as I left. And I said, don't be surprised if they tell you you've already voted. And she said, they've already done that. If I voted, how did I vote? And who did you vote for? Well, I asked the couple the young women that I talked to, and I said, are you by any chance Republicans? She said, yes. And I said, well, so am I. And so are the two friends that had the problem at VFW. So. 
makes you suspicious? I would think so. <laughs> and still, I'd like to know how I voted. Yes, all right. So, uh, yeah, so this is happening to lots of people at, 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 in California. So uh, the Newsom team has, just this morning, this came in my box, uh, they're, they're declaring that there's no scenario under which we would lose the recall election. It's not going to happen. There's no scenario. I wonder why they're so confident. Was it the same kind of confidence that I remember Kamala Harris's husband, Doug, was it Del, Doug Elmendorf, something like that, uh, making the statement, uh, we played this for you uh, during the 2020 uh, uh, campaign cycle, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the, the, the husband of the president of the United States. He said that. He didn't say vice president. And remember when Joe Biden kept calling, introducing her as a president, Kamala Harris? Yeah, so... They have a plan, and uh, they're not worried because uh, there's no scenario under which uh, Larry Elder could beat Gavin Newsom. They've sort of taken care of business. So Larry Elder, well, I don't, I'm not willing to declare that yet. I'm just telling you that's what they're declaring, and it makes me nervous, and it makes me think, well, this is going to be 2022 because you think Mitch McConnell and um, Kevin McCarthy are going to go to bat for us in the Senate, in the House? Really? And clean this up? Because they say, you know, well, not Kevin McCarthy now. He's come back around. They say that there was a, uh, election fraud. They don't want to talk about that. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll move on. We'll, we'll get it right next time, you know, next time. Uh, those people that say there was a, you know, they don't want to talk about it. So you think they're going to fight uh, to make sure it doesn't happen in 2022? Because as long as they have their seats and are in leadership, you know, it's like, it just goes on. They make their great money and do their deals, and they're not concerned. Much like Biden not being concerned about people stranded in Afghanistan, uh, the leadership uh, on both sides, in the House and in the Senate, don't care too much about whether Americans actually get to vote for their next president. And oh, I guess they care if they take back the House. House is more concerned uh, than the, the than the Senate. That's you know, it's a blanket statement. But I have to say. It's really true, certainly in the Senate. These dodgy elderly senators, and believe me, people can be elderly and not dodgy and very effective. Uh, but I don't see many of those in the Senate. I see them like uh, not really filled with fire in their belly. And so I don't think they care that much. If they cared, they'd be doing something. But I'm going to go back to the California election because it's happening today. It's happening today. Larry Elder was uh, on with Tucker Carlson last night. And he, tried, he laid out, uh, he's so articulate, as, as you know, Larry was a talk show host in California. It's funny, my husband Bruce would, used to work gang, the gang squad for the FBI in L.A., and he used to listen to Larry Elder years ago, long before, honestly, Bruce even ever knew he was a conservative, but he loved Larry Elder. And uh, Larry makes a lot of sense, and you'll see this, because he's asking, uh, Tucker's asking him about uh, why people would vote uh, for continue to put Gavin Newsom in place, and Larry responds this way. This is clip six. They've all cut commercials for him. They haven't uh, defended him on crime, uh, as you just now displayed. They haven't defended him on the rise of the cost of living. California just hit an average price of a home at $800,000, which is at minimum 150% above the national average. They've not uh, defended him on the rise of homelessness. They've not defended him on the decline of the quality of our public schools. And the public school kids were denied a whole year of in-person education. When Gavin Newsom's own kids were enjoying in-person private education, they haven't defended the way he shut down the state to the point 
point now where a third of all small businesses are gone forever, many of them owned by black and brown and Asian American people, that the people on the left, like Gavin Newsom, claims they care about. They haven't defended his way of managing our forests that made our fires more severe. They haven't defended him for failing to add in any real way to our water infrastructure. So now, Tucker, we're running out of water. Uh, California has the same water infrastructure that it had 40 years ago when the state was half its size. We're having rolling brownouts because we haven't adequately managed our power grid. So these politicians who've all cut commercials for him, uh, Tucker, have never uttered the following magical words. Gavin Newsom has done a good job for the people of California. Yes. So uh, that's Larry Elder. He's he's a great guy. And of course, the the, the uh, left has characterized him as that what the black face of of white of white uh, supremacy or something like that, some title like that. I was in a conversation with something someone yesterday about that who repeated it as though it were a fact. It's it's um it's what they've done to him. I told you uh, that a very white woman in a tank top on a bicycle uh, at one of his rallies over the weekend uh, rode her bicycle through with a an ape face and threw eggs at Larry Elder and his security. And screamed at them, horrible, you know, uh, like really threats. I mean, she said, look, to me it's demonic. Um, but, uh, you know, to the world it should be racist because it was racist. That is just disgraceful. But, you know, not so much reporting about that because Larry is the wrong kind of black man, which is what we've been telling you for a long time. Clarence Thomas is the wrong kind of black man. Thomas Sowell is the wrong kind of black man. And so uh, then, they're, you know, they're, it's like the old Uncle, Uncle Tom uh, theme, like, men that aren't angry and bitter who are black who have you know understand the Amer- the american system of values and uh, f- and open opportunities for everyone uh and trying to lift their if you want to say their people i know that's what they how they feel about it and i understand that uh they want to lift their people up in a different way they want them to work hard and get their education because the best way to overcome whatever racism there is in this country is to succeed. There are tons of opportunities for minority people now, more probably than white people right now. And there's tons of success from black men and black women. And so that's the best way to fight because you, you resonate and ruminate in your, uh, your mistreatment. It only hurts you. And so that, that's what they're trying to say. I'm making it very broad. Uh, they don't all say that same thing, but that's the theme is, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and now get to busy, get busy, get to work, stop complaining, get to work. And that's all. Listen, I heard that plenty from my mother and my father. Just get busy, work hard, you know. And so it's a, it's a, so when they say that though, then, you know, they're, you know, they're the Uncle Toms and they get treated horribly by their families and friends. And many of you know that because a, a lot of my, uh, listeners are black, and they they paid a price for being vocal about their uh, understanding. Now there comes sometimes a new understanding, uh, new new eyes to see what's happening. Larry Elder offers those new eyes. Uh, let's see if he prevails today. The election is today, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something if he prevailed in California? I know his life will be miserable if he does win. They will make him miserable, but it will be a victory. Uh, for a lot of people. All right, um, I want to change the subject a little bit here. And we were, so we're a little in disarray again because we, we canceled our guest, and so I'm going to try to deliver uh, the, the kinds of things I would have talked to him about. And uh, because it's important, there's a rally this weekend. It's uh, that, remember J6? It's the J6 rally. And it's about those uh, guys who are still held 
uh, in the jail in Washington, D.C. The ones that went to the Capitol on January the 6th, uh, and uh, some of them went inside. I mean, there were, I should give you the stats. Uh, let me give you some stats on this to give it some uh, context. Hang on one second. I, this is, again, a case where I didn't have a chance to get my papers in order, so you'll have to p- be patient with me because uh, there is lots of stuff. Uh, oh, dearie me. I've got so much to share with you, it's a little overwhelming. So I may not be able to do this in order. Here we go. Here's the article that I wanted to start with. Uh, the U.S. Capitol issued a report that they are uh, six officers were involved in wrongdoing on January 6th. Well, that's interesting because um, OPR has been investigating a total of 38 cases related to January 6th. Now, uh, let me just read what they say. Basically, they're talking about the ones that are really being targeted are the ones that helped people. One of them, I think, were uh, uh, Make America Great Again pen or something like that, and others did open the doors for people and did, you know, had their pictures made with the people walking inside all those insurrectionists. Uh, and so they're being, um, they're being punished for that. And they say it's just, just six of them. But we suspect, you know, because of many of the stories and videos that I've seen of Capitol Police or some subset of them, because they did merge uh, some of the D.C. police with the Capitol Police, so it's kind of hard to say who was what, at least I can't say that, uh, that they released, you know, firebombs on protesters, uh, which caused the protesters to become agitated and angry and actually fight back. And I have seen those videos where you're saying, what are you doing? We're on your side. What are you doing? We're, we're on your side. And so, um, so six officers have, uh, I think they're just being disciplined. I, don't, I think they're being not, not fired. I don't know how I feel about that because I don't know who they are and what they've done. Uh, but um, we know that that's there. this memory of this Saturday and the September the 18th, there's going to be a rally at the Capitol. Uh, and if you want information about it, it's lookaheadamerica.org, lookaheadamerica.org slash rally. It's on the west side of the Capitol. And, you know, they want to criminalize this, this particular event. But it, it, there's nothing wrong with the American people going to their... Washington, D.C. and protesting. That's the way it is there. Every You walk six feet and there's a new protest about something else. So it is happening this Saturday and we'll talk more about it. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Here's another of our core values. AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. Thank you for standing with AFA, and we thank you for your support. A survey from Probe Ministries revealed that millennials in Generation Z believe that Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus are all valid paths to salvation. Sadly, this belief makes Jesus a liar. He said the only way to heaven was through Him. What makes Christianity different from other religions is the cross. On the cross, Jesus bore the sins of humanity. He paid the penalty for our sin so those who believe and follow Him could have eternal life. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James 1.22 My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. 
This scripture underscores the harrowing reality that permeates the life of many who profess to be Christians. The blessing of being a Christ follower comes not only from hearing God's word, but obeying it. James continues, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. I'll say this, for the last three years, the markets have been doing really well. And some of you have stocks that have appreciated a great deal. Just keep going up, 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 up. Now, you know if you sell that stock, you've got to pay capital gains tax. Here's a way you can avoid it. You can move that stock into your charitable remainder trust. And you can make contributions throughout the year to your charitable remainder trust. If you move that stock the Charitable Remainder Trust is now going to sell the stock and you won't have to pay any capital gains. The full value of that stock will be able to stay in the Remainder Trust and you'll be able to receive income for the rest of your life from that. Call the AFA Foundation, 800-326-4543, extension 345, or go to afafoundation.net. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken testified yesterday before House lawmakers and will do the same with Senate ones today, ostensibly about Biden's humiliating strategic defeat in Afghanistan. The unmistakable leitmotif, however, is the nature and conduct of this administration more generally. More often than not, as with the Afghan debacle, the beneficiaries are our enemies. Communist China's Xi, global jihadists, Vladimir Putin and other thugs are delighted with what the Biden team evidently considers to be its job, the managed decline of the United States. Unfortunately, what we are experiencing is increasingly our nation's unmanaged decline, a reckless pell-mell, even Marxist takedown of American security, institutions, freedoms, and prosperity. Joe Biden, Tony Blinken, and their ilk are upending the strategy Ronald Reagan so successfully implemented. Today, it seems we lose, they win, is the hallmark of this appalling presidency. Enough already. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios back with you for this wild ride known as Tuesday morning. <laughs> Thank goodness we're still on the air. So I'll be grateful for that. And uh, because you could use some sort of encouragement, I've talked to you about me too, by the way. I talked to you about the protesters that are greeting uh, Joe Biden. I talked to you about those kids in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, at the fire station <laughs> who posed with him with all their Biden, I mean, all of their uh, Obama. Oh, shoot. Okay, wait. They're all their Trump paraphernalia, you know, make America great again, Trump 2020, and just smiling right next to Joe Biden. And he's smiling. He has no idea. And, uh, and they're enjoying themselves, having a good time. I talked to you about uh, protesters in Idaho. I talked to you about protesters uh, against him on, at the ground, at ground zero, people speaking up and telling him how they feel about this. I talked about protesters in Los Angeles when he was there on Monday protesting him. Um, 
So by contrast, President Trump made a surprise visit uh, to one of the new to one of the um, uh, firefighter, yeah, the, the firehouses in New York City, and uh, he walks up. And you're going to hear how the firemen respond. And if you could see the clip, you'd see them coming around him and taking pictures with him. And then after that, you're going to hear him uh, saying we're going inside and talking. Also, I think police had come by then. And so this is this is how President Trump was greeted in New York uh, on September 11. Here it is, clip 11. <laughs> Thank you. Bravest people. And right next door, and you know you love each other, because I know the blue. We love the blue. I'll say it loud, you know you're not supposed to say that. Alright, so I just wanted you to hear that. So, you know, he's talking about running again. Um well he's teasing about it. He's not saying he's going to, he's saying I think you'll be pleased with what I say, and nobody knows and uh Personally, I think it's probably I would uh, at this point. I think he he's more effective uh, as a as a kingmaker. I would love to see him do that. I know you've heard this before, but I'm one of those. I've been saying this, maybe not in those words, but uh, he uh, his influence and power can be used to remake Congress. Well, that is, of course, if we have a fair election, why would we think we did? But if we do, we'll proceed as though we're going to have one, uh, and. Um, I do think if we can get a strong candidate, but it has to be somebody like um, Ron DeSantis. If we can't get Ron DeSantis or someone equally strong, and if there were someone equally strong, methinks we might know who that would be right now, right? Because if they're strong, why, where are they? Why don't you know their name? Why aren't they out there fighting? Not just anybody's going to do. And uh, certainly President Trump could do it, and he, he's a street fighter, and I would be happy <laughs> to have him back in the White House. But that's kind of the update on that. Well, and there's a reason for that. Remember, we have kind of a, a dictator who has dementia. It's very interesting. The demented a dictator, the dementia dictator, whatever, uh, the president of the United States. Why would I say a thing like that? Because he's uh, he's issuing threats to us. And I uh, just remind you, this is one of those. This, again, remember the scene in the movie where some business owner is has been threatened by extortionists that if he doesn't give them mob extortionists a certain percentage of his business in money you know a percentage of the take it's going to it would be good if you did that that would be a good thing to do and they remind him over and over again and finally they say to him you haven't done that thing that's good for you cuz you everybody does this and this is good this is a good thing uh, and i'm losing patience well it really did remind me of joe biden and so let's listen to him in clip 2 what more do you need to see? We've made vaccinations free, safe, and convenient. The vaccine is FDA approval. Over 200 million Americans have gotten at least one shot. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. So please do the right thing. Do the right thing. That's what the, the that's what the mobsters say too. That's the right. Do the right thing. You know, if you know what's good for you, you'll do this. Yeah, that's that is what it reminds. What are you? What, what are you waiting for? You got to take that vaccine. And so, and I'm losing patience. Yeah, it's really, so the mobster Joe Biden uh, is saying that in the White House. And so, I want to remind you, if that's not enough, uh, that he said something very different. Let's see, when was this? 
This was back um, in December. This is Joe Biden, followed by his press secretary, Jen Jen Psaki. Let's listen to clip three from yesterday. Do you think the COVID vaccine should be mandatory? No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. It's like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. And that's not the role of the federal government. Um, That is the role that institutions, private sector entities, uh, and others may take. Yeah, so it shouldn't be mandatory. Nancy Pelosi said the same thing, but they didn't mean it. And so now they have to make it mandatory. And I told you that OSHA, they've written a rule that changes OSHA's, OSHA's role of reporting people that have been harmed from a vaccine. That's what they do all the time. If there's, It's workplace injuries. So if in your workplace you are required to do something by your boss and you have an injury, uh, they record all of that meticulously. You probably know that. But now under the Biden administration, no, no, they've been told not to report people who have had injuries from the vaccine. And uh, so, uh, in fact, they've given OSHA the role of making sure that everyone has the vaccine. That's what Lara Logan was reporting on uh, this past weekend. So uh, I want you to hear this clip. Now, this came out of, I've got to find, these are doctors, and they're having like a, a confab by Zoom and somebody leaked this. Uh, it is, um, let's see, it is, where is the place that it is? Oh, doctors at Vovent Health New Hanover Regional Medical Center. And someone leaked this to the press. And I just want, now these are doctors talking about how to handle numbers. And basically what they're saying, I'll tell you up front, they want to pad the COVID numbers. And how might they do that? How can they make it sound worse? You think I'm kidding? You think I'm speculating? Let's listen. Clip 12. Um, the dashboard and how it's set up itself, as far as how we get information out to the community on meaningful numbers, we do okay. that on a weekly basis. So that's on our website, and we've been sharing that through social channels as well, particularly those graphics that show the number of patients and how's the percentage of them that are unvaccinated, the percentage of unvaccinated people in the ICU, and the percentage of deaths and the numbers. So those are numbers that we put out as far as we don't get into details of floor. Or right. Those other numbers are certainly out there. Right. I, I guess my feeling at this point in time is maybe we need to be completely a little bit more scary for the public. Then there's another comment is I completely agree. There are many people still hospitalized that we're considering post-COVID, but we're not counting in those numbers. So how do we include those post-COVID people in the numbers of the patients we have in the hospital? So is that all the people who have been in the hospital since the beginning of COVID? Well, or that are still in it. And that's something that I can take to someone else. But I think those are important numbers. The patients that are still in the hospital, that are off the COVID floor, but still are occupying the hospital for a variety of reasons. Okay. Carolyn, we call those, I'm sorry, we, we're calling those recovered now. If you look at yeah. the Navant Health dashboard, they're listed as recovered. But I do think it, from our standpoint, we would still consider them a COVID patient because they're still healing. Yeah. So I think that that needs to be highlighted as well. Because once they're off isolation, they drop from the COVID numbers. That's exactly right. Kellen, we can talk offline and yeah. how we run that up to marketing. And- right. So I'm just going to say, Carolyn, I think we have to be more blunt. We have to be more forceful. We have to say something coming out. You know, you don't get vaccinated. You know, you're going to die. I mean, let's just 
let's just be really blunt to these people. Yeah, so let's just be really blunt, but maybe and maybe stretch the numbers a little bit. Let's count those people that don't have COVID as COVID patients still. That's what they're saying. So they got quite a, the people in that area were able to see that Facebook post because somebody posted it. So they got quite a bit of blowback. And then something like that happened to another station. This is, I'm not sure where WXYZ TV is. It's Channel 7. It's ABC, wherever it is. And so they post on their Facebook page after the vaccine, because they're trying to help too, see. After the vaccines were available for everyone, did you lose an unvaccinated loved one to COVID-19? If you're willing to share your family's stories, story, please direct mail us your contact information. We may reach out for our story that we're working on. Okay, so it's Detroit. It's Detroit, by the way. I found that. So um, they... So that's the post that they gave. So this is what happened. Thousands of Facebook users shared stories describing... So they're asking, again, to make this clear. Anybody out there have an unvaccinated family member or friend who's died, been in the hospital, died? Because we'd like to... We're concerned. We want to hear about that story. So give us your information. We'll call you. We want to report on this. So there are thousands of people responding to this. I think they got 85,000 responses. I think I read that later in the article. Thousands shared stories describing alarming vaccine side effects or posted about fully vaxxed loved ones dying of the coronavirus. The viral post appears to have become a popular forum for victims of the vaccines to share their stories. For instance, my daughter, 33 years old, died 10 days after getting the shot. She had an enlarged heart, and she had a terminal lung disease, pulmonary hypertension. That's, she means she developed it. She didn't just have it going into that. My mother passed away three, three weeks ago from COVID. She was fully vaccinated back in January. And so here's a bunch of other comments. Let me read some of them to you. My son's classmate lost her mother from heart complications due to the vaccine. My grandmother-in-law passed away from the uh, the Johnson & Johnson blood clot to her heart in less than 24 hours after getting it. My sister, very liberal and pro-vax, is disabled now after her Moderna vaccine, and symptoms are worsening by the day she may not survive. You know, that reminds me of a video that friends sent me. This got, I wish I'd remembered to pull it. Uh, Eric Clapton, the famous rock musician uh, out of London, uh, made this incredible video about uh, what happened to him after he got his vaccine? He lost use of his hands. Now, he's a world-renowned guitarist. And uh, it's a very poignant story. And he said, and the, he went further. To, maybe, maybe we will pull that and pull parts of it later. But um, he talked about the blowback from even just telling that story. You're not allowed to have any other opinion. He talked about how he'd been blackballed by other musicians and old friends and how isolating and painful it was. But he had, he had to speak the truth, even some of his children. Because then he got the vaccination because his children wanted him to get it. Isn't that sound familiar? Familiar? A lot of you have done that. So I'm going to go on. These are the stories that people wrote back to this station, WXYZ TV, Channel 7. That's ABC in Detroit. And they go on to say, my, um, my sister... Yeah, is this, this is the one that's disabled, and uh, she may not survive. Yes, like my neighbor Larry Ray, his life has been altered terribly, and now he wishes he'd never taken it. I'm one of those. I'm 44, and I went into cardiac arrest and died two times less than, and died two times less than two weeks after getting the shot. Ironic? Coincidental? 
I know someone who had a heart attack after the first dose and isn't getting the second. I also know someone who died from the vaccine. Let's tell those stories. And it goes on and on and on. I mean, it's just, I think I told you there's like, they got 80,000 comments. And so someone asked, you know, um, have you ever thought about asking, could you just please ask uh, for these stories, what's happened with people who are vaccinated and have had bad effects? Why don't you ever do a story on that? Why do you just want to know about what's happening to the unvaccinated? So it really back, it really um, backfired on them. And and only, you know what, I don't want it to backfire on them as a coincidence. I want it to backfire on them because we need to know what's true, don't we? You know, we're talking about life and death here and about our futures and our health. And so I cannot declare to you what you should or should not do. That would be, I'm not qualified to do that, nor am I going to shame you for what choice you make. I've told you now that I was very ambivalent, and I think I told you right up front, even a few months ago, that I was I was not going to take that vaccination. The only way I would have taken it would be if I had to to see my kids, but I think I've even altered my personal viewpoint on that now because of all the things I'm hearing about what's happening from scientists and researchers and immunologists. By the way, two FDA leaders now have written a, a letter which is being uh, published in The Lancet arguing that current evidence does not support a need for widespread COVID-19 booster shots, uh, that they feel there's danger. It's uh, Marion Gruber, the director of the Office of Vaccines Research and Review, and Phil Krauss, the deputy director of the, oh, the Office of Vaccine Research and Review. So two of their top people have uh, resigned because they think that what the Biden administration is pushing is not supported by evidence yet. And so that should give you pause. It should give you pause. And uh, I know that it does. So we just have to pray about it and use wisdom as best we can. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.